the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Peak Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brett Griffin, and our guest today is Sean Keating, a writer and journalist. As a journalist, I wanted to talk to Sean about the current media landscape, fake news, etc. Sean's working on an awesome new platform called Newsfeather that we'll talk a little bit about later. Sean also does a lot of copywriting, uh, writing for other organizations. He can help you out uh, the way he's helped out a lot of people. Sean can be found on Twitter at Sean Keating, S-H-A-U-N on Instagram at Sean J. Keating, and on the web, SeanKeating.com. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Brandon. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, I've been, uh, ever since I kind of came across your site and kind of read about what you do, I, I think this is going to be a great conversation. So I think the listeners are really going to like it. Yeah, I hope so. There's yeah, a lot to talk about. There's yeah. a lot going on. <laughs> there's, there's some things going on in the world. I, I, don't, yeah, know there's if you, I don't know if you watch the news at all. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I follow it kind of. So you mentioned yourself as copywriter and journalist. So what does a copywriter do? Yeah, a copywriter, um, I guess it depends on the, the type of copy that you're writing. Is what I found over my career is that the, the tool of the copywriter that gets used in organizations um, for like marketing departments or something, it really depends on what they're trying to accomplish. So it can be used, um, in my experience, like for search engine optimization, a copywriter basically is writing to uh, robots, really like Google's robots. Um, so the point of that, the copywriter at that point is to get this, like the page rankings higher. Um, but then for like sales copy that I write, the copywriter uh, is really trying to make an emotional connection with the buyer. Um, people buy based on emotion and then they justify with logic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you're really trying to make emotional connections. So yeah, the, the copywriter really depends on what you're trying to do with the words that you're writing. Um, people with like blog posts and social media, you're trying to connect on a, like on a social level or an emotional level with sales. You're trying to do something similar to try and get them to buy. But yeah, I really feel like the copywriter that I have become is one that, yeah, you're trying to make an emotional connection with people and pretty much everything that you're trying to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And how do you originally get into this? I originally got into copywriting sort of by accident. Um, I had started out when I went to school to, I was going to go into business and then I switched halfway through my college, like four years and decided to go, that I wanted to teach English um, for high school. And that didn't really work out. The teaching environment that I thought I was going to have sort of like dead poet society and turned out to like not actually exist. I've heard that from a couple of people that have become teachers. They, they did it yeah. plugged in and it's not anything like they thought it would be. Yeah. There's a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, um, obviously. And, but I'd had some teachers in my past that I think a lot of us have that, uh, that connected with me. And so I wanted to sort of see if I could do that for, for other people. And 
um, it didn't work out. And, um, and from there I, I had always like been interested in writing and creative writing. And so I decided to start writing a book and I had all of these grand dreams of becoming this like famous author and, um, getting my book turned into a movie and, and all of this. And, um, of course it'll work out. It. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that was, uh, that was my dream. And, um, I finished the book. It was a, the book was about women taking over the world. It was like this dystopian, you know, book where a uh, dystopian world where women take over the, the world and they kill all the, <laughs> most of the men and stuff. And, um, anyway, so I, I pitched it to some people and it didn't work out. Um, but, uh, while I was writing it, I, I, w- I was working some other jobs that, weren't related to writing, but I was still starting to sort of start my career and was, I was writing for some golf courses and I was writing for some off-road magazines. And, um, then from there, sort of fast forward a few years, um, I met my, my wife on eHarmony and, uh, in 2010 and, um, moved up to Orange County. We got married in 2012 and I got probably my first like writing gig, um, writing just lots and lots of SEO content in Orange County for an agency there. And um, so that was really my, my first foray into professional copywriting. And then I got connected with some startups up in Orange County that were pretty exciting, and, and those didn't really work out. And so then from there, I sort of went off on my own and started doing this freelance thing, um, mm-hmm. I would say maybe like a couple of years ago. It's it's hard, like, to, like uh, just listening to some of your other guests that you've had on, like just freelancing is just a constant like grind and finding new clients and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, just for the past couple of years, I've sort of been, been on my own and finding new clients all the time. And, um, so my wife and I, we were down in San Diego again and I got to start doing some, some different types of copywriting and just through, through the, through, as, as I've been going on through it, I, I've gotten to work with some, some pretty cool people I got to work with. Um, probably, probably one of the ones I'm most proud of was I got to work with Paul Walker. I got to work with his, his nonprofit writing like press releases and stuff. Oh, wow. He, yeah, he does. Um, before he passed away, obviously, he his nonprofit was called Reach Out Worldwide, and they would respond to natural disasters around the world. Like uh, they'd be first responders, and so they had a network in LA of like uh, EMTs and firefighters and construction workers. And like uh, when there was the tsunamis that hit in the Philippines, mm-hmm. they like flew out there the, the next day and stuff. And anyway, so I got to work with. I didn't get to meet him or anything, but um, I got to write some press releases and interview some of their first responders and. So yeah, so that, that was sort of how I got got into it in a, in a roundabout way. Huh. And is this your full time work now? Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Um, I work out of my house um, right now, and um, yeah, I got two little two little boys that that are running around <laughs> all the time and going crazy. And um, so my my wife also does does work as well. When just because there's always ups and downs in, in freelancing, so when I'm a little slow, she has work that she can do, and um, and then I sort of take over with the kids and stuff, and we sort of go back and forth and have a good rhythm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now you mentioned you started out as a business major. So what did you want to yeah. be when you grew up? Uh, I, that, I don't, I wasn't really sure. I, I had, I've always had an interest in computers and technology and my family had to, like, like, uh, we had like an old Apple two GS back in the day. We did the Oregon trail sort of thing yep, that, yep. that every, everybody did way back when. And so I've had, I had an interest in that and, my parents were really good and sort of encouraged me to sort of explore that. And uh, so, I, yeah, I was going into business with an emphasis in IT. And uh, so, so that was sort of my plan was to go get out of college and go work at 
like Qualcomm or something down here in San Diego. And, mm. um, and, and I even interned down there actually, but, but yeah, it was not to be. Hmm. Yeah. So what's a basic daylight for you now? Yeah. So, um, in the mornings we like everybody gets up super early. We have the, we got the two boys and they're very high energy, um, on all the time. So, uh, we're playing with, playing with puzzles and books and, and they have all of these different guys and stuff that they play that they play with and superhero toys and um, so we get up and you know do breakfast and, and stuff as a family which is really really nice we get to spend some time together um, and then from there um, I'll usually get started working just like a normal day I'll, I'll work for like a full four hours or so and then have lunch break and stuff and, and hang out with the boys and then yeah just finish up the day and then on the days when I'm lighter um, my wife will usually work in the morning and then I can sort of finish up in the evening. So we sort of take shifts at, at that point. Awesome. Um, so it's a pretty flexible schedule, I guess. And you really have to be able to roll with the punches, you know? Yeah. Sounds like you found a good rhythm. Yeah. We're, we're trying to, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you ever, uh, you ever find it, but you, you know, trying to make do and yeah, exactly. Uh, trying to whatever comes yeah. your way, you gotta be ready. I, how old are your boys? Uh, my oldest is two and a half and my youngest is one. Okay. So yeah, I've got a four year old and a nine month old girl. Yeah. And it's, uh, I tell people, especially new parents, like just when you think you've got to figure it out, like things change, like something oh, new yeah. happens. You don't do a new developmental stage or oh, teething man. throws you for a loop or whatever it is. There's, yes. there's always something new. Oh, it always is. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. It's like sleep regression or separation anxiety or somebody gets sick and yeah it's it's just yeah it's always like juggling 10 like flaming chainsaws it's crazy <laughs> so when you tell people you're a writer what's their most common reaction they always ask what kind of writing i do and i, I sometimes i suspect they're they're hoping that it's something like like i'm a novelist or like uh or, or something along those lines but it, it always ends up sounding really boring like oh i'm writing you know, search engine optimized copy or I'm writing like sales copy and stuff for, for products. But, but generally it, they're like, Oh, you know, that's, that's kind of cool. They, you know, and they, they, yeah, they have like a, a general interest in what it is that I do. Yeah. And then I think so for some people that have connections like, or who watch like the show Mad Men and stuff like copywriters in the ad agency uh, at one point were like the top of the pyramid, you know? And mm -hmm. so, it's not it's not that way anymore uh, i don't think so um so there is some like for people that have watched the show it's like oh that's oh, wow you're like a copywriter or something like like madman it's like well no not really anymore <laughs> not exactly like yeah any preconceived misconceptions about writers that you'd like to put to bed once and for all yeah i mean not like sad all that i feel like writers are painted as these like sad emotional like tortured creatures alcoholics that's usually I mean, what it is in yeah. movies like sad alcoholics <laughs> yeah. loners yeah 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 and maybe i was maybe i was back in my 20s but um <laughs> not anymore <laughs> like yeah very sobered reality at the like at this stage in the game uh yeah so i think that i think that would be one of them well i i can't we can't talk about that without going back to your novel so where did this women take oh, yeah. over the world dystopian future where did that come out of Oh, I don't know where the idea, the idea started in college, I think. And I had got the idea in college and, but the, like the source from it, like, I'm sure there's like, I could, like some psychologists could like figure out what exactly <laughs> happened in my past or whatever. But yeah, the, the idea just sort of came to me and I started making all these notes and that 
God, this was probably, you know, back in 2004 and five and stuff. So doing all the research on the internet and stuff and for just, you know, just like trying to figure out how this, and I had never been to the new novel. I don't, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but the novel takes place in New York. <laughs> uh, it's cause I haven't touched it in like 10 years. Oh, we're going um, all the way in. We're going all the way yeah. in there. <laughs> and, uh, it takes place in New York and, and Chicago. And I'd never even been to these cities. And so, um, I was using like the er- some of the early versions of, like Google maps to like check out the cities and stuff. And, um, Wikipedia, I think may have been around back then. So I was like looking up because part of the novel, like viruses come in and like wipe <laughs> out a bunch of people is like an epidemic. And cause I had to kill off like a bunch of the population in order for this to make sense. And, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely intrigued. And, um, I'm, I'm definitely yeah, intrigued. I can't understand why no one took it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see the movie in my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I could do. Yeah. So what's it like working with your clients and getting their input of what they're trying to say and then you crafting it to what they think it's going to be and then, you know, maybe not understanding why you're going a certain way? What's kind of that push and pull like for you? Uh, that, that's like one of the hardest parts of my job for me, actually. Like, um, like I can take criticism uh, just, you know, being around. I've got like a stack of rejection letters for that dumb novel that I wrote. So like I, I've got like a thick skin that... Um, I've developed a thick skin over the last like, you know, seven and eight years that I've been doing this. But for but with clients and trying to figure out what they want and then delivering that to them, that is super difficult. In some instances, it it you, and what I found is that it really takes a skilled manager, marketing manager, someone who has experience working with copywriters or experience working with the type of copy that they want in order to like build a successful product. So, or a successful piece of copy, like, um, one of the styles of writing that I've trained to to learn is called direct response. And, um, it's what, it's what all the old, old ads used to be written in. It was direct response. Like all, a lot of what like the Mad Men guys did and stuff was, was direct response. And, um, it started like back in, uh, you know, I was like the fifties or sixties and stuff. And, um, I used to sell cars with it. You can sell anything with it. But if you don't know what the style of writing is, direct response, it can be really shocking when you hear it because it's very aggressive. Yeah, it's just very direct, obviously. And um, so uh, I've worked with marketing managers who who have not like dealt with this. And it's it's sort of going back and forth. And there can be some like legitimate conflicts when like, well, this is this is what, you know, you want a direct response, this is direct response. And if you want like something else, then, you know, it can be a struggle to get that message I cross, I guess, if there's this, like the wires aren't connecting, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but with, with other types of copy, like with, with SEO enhanced copy, it's pretty straightforward. Um, with like, uh, other web content, um, mostly it's just getting the client's voice, which is something that I've learned how to do and sort of capturing how they, how they talk. And that, that just comes from interviewing them and reading, reading stuff that they've written in the past. Kind of finding their voice and then making your words fit into what they've already gotten. Yeah. Yeah. I follow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was, I was writing copy for this like really real estate guy in New York and, um, yeah, I just went back and read, read through his personal blogs and stuff and you can just get a sense of how they craft their sentences and yeah, just sort of how their thoughts sort of come out on paper. Hmm. Yeah. That's not something I would have thought about it about, you know, kind of figuring out how they speak and then crafting it to fit their, you know, brand or whatever that, that makes sense. I, yeah, I never would have uh, thought about it like that. 
yeah it, it, and it's just i guess it's something you like i've just picked up over over the years but yeah for me it really like talking on the phone helps you can really capture somebody's like their literal voice but then people say things they have different words that they put in different places and um yeah and yeah you can go back and through and read people's work and you're like really really get a sense of, of how they communicate so I told you, listeners, I told you we talk about fake news. And here we go. Sean, when did you first hear the term fake news? And what do you remember thinking? I, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was obviously during this last campaign season uh, last year. I didn't, I didn't hear about fake news in, until then. And um, I think it was when one of uh, Trump's speeches while he was on the campaign trail. Um, and what I thought about it, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was such a strange, uh, like a, a strange word to or phrase to use to describe it. Because I mean, I can't I can't remember the specific story that he was talking about, but it, it just seemed like it was a story that he didn't like, and so then he called it just fake news. Mm-hmm. And then and then at the same time, there was this like insidiousness about it because I immediately was like there's no way that anyone is going to be able to prove that it's not fake news. Cause like once it goes out, it's very, very hard to correct something that has now been out into the internet. Like once, once it's out there, like even re- like retractions for stories that turn out to be wrong. Right. Retractions for story for stories, like uh, rarely get the uptake that the original story gets. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that was my, my, my reaction was like, I was like, huh, what an interesting way to describe like a legitimate news outlet and then i was like oh uh now there's no going back from that like <laughs> there's it's, it's gonna be like if you can't go back for, you, there's nothing you can't take it back and then it's gonna be it's gonna take so much work to try to overcome that appearance now of it and it, it felt like he had started a uh like a snowball that was just gonna keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and there's nothing that'd be able to stop it and and indeed, that is exactly what what actually did happen, and is still happening. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And um, on the other side, you've got the actual fake news that is uh, and, perpetrated yeah. by both sides. I mean, you know, it seems oh, to yeah. me mostly the right, but you know, it, it's perpetrated by both sides. I mean, everyone has that one aunt on Facebook that's always <laughs> reposting things, and I could talk about this because I don't think mine listens to this, but. <laughs> But, you know, the domains of these articles are always something like, you know, oh, cons- conservative patriot yeah. you know, and so like no, freedom eagle. Oh, yeah. You're like, okay. Oh, yes. Conservative patriot usa.com, yeah. the vanguard of unbiased journalistic integrity, yeah, exactly. you know. And, oh, God. Yeah, that's it is. And you're right. It is on both sides. Like, but yeah, it's, oh, man. And Facebook is just like, because everybody, I think everybody knows knows people that will share things from these sites. And you go there and there's like ads for like local singles on the sidebars or like mm-hmm. pop ups. And they're like, like, this is this is not what I'm looking for in a news source, obviously. And uh, yeah, it's it's and it, yeah, and everybody's got got that and they see that. And you can sort of like roll your eyes at it, I guess. But um like there, there is, I don't know, there is legitimate harm that comes from that because, um, it, it, it just clouds the importance of all of the actual stories that are going on. Like the, the real stuff that's actually happening that people should be paying attention to. Now you have like 
this person sharing a story about like how Hillary Clinton created AIDS or something and you're like, oh, now I got to go read this. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're forgetting that. Like, oh, we've been like bombing Yemen for like two years. I mean, this, okay. this, it's so crazy that there, someone started posting these articles about how there was a secret child sex ring out of a pizza place in Washington, D.C. And if you post that enough times, yeah. someone's going to show up at this pizza place with a gun. And that's exactly what happened. You know, yeah, that is what happened. Yeah. There, there are consequences to these things. You know, it's. And the way Facebook presents the news to you, you know, the headline looks the exact same no matter what the source is, you know, yeah, headline, summary, picture, you know, and yeah, we're our brains aren't used to that. You know, like if it looks like a headline, it must be true. It must be from an unbiased source. You know, that's the way our brains interpret that information. And you yeah, see it's on F- Facebook, but you run it through your personal Facebook algorithm of the things that things you want to see. And it only shows you those things. And all of a sudden yeah. it's like, oh, this is the uh, absolute truth. You know, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. And, and I saw a couple of weeks ago, Facebook came out with like a handy dandy little like checkpoint that you can use, like how to tell that you're reading fake news. And um, it was like 10 things that you had to go do. Like you had to go to the site and you had to first check the URL then you had to like read the read the whole article and figure out like oh it might be presented with with actual facts and like really think deeply and analyze about every sentence that you read and then they're like you know you can also check like the about us section on these websites and find out who's sponsoring them maybe who's donating money to them or who's behind it and make sure that these are reputable sources and it's like that's an hour I mean not an right. hour that's 20 that's 20 minutes out of your day and like you just went to check Facebook for like a minute and now you got to like become this like hardened like journalist to figure out if the sources that you're reading are fake. Yeah. And, and, but like you're saying, like it, it is on both sides too. Like, like you see it on the right oh, yeah. and then you see it on the, on the left. Yep. And yeah, there's something that I don't, but I don't know what, like, I don't really know like what could be done. Like I, cause I've like Twitter and like Facebook and all these social media sites are trying to figure out how they can combat this, like the scourge of fake news and um and i yeah it's super difficult i don't i don't know how they're gonna end up end up doing it um i know google Google is gonna start like hiding stories that they believe are fake um from the front page which eric schmidt the ceo of google was saying like it's not censorship we're just hiding it and and it's like so they're like okay well i don't know how those things like hiding it and censorship seems similar to me but whatever like so um yeah, so I mean, you can start censoring it and stuff, but then that's a slippery slope that everybody knows that you want right. to go down. Because um, on the other side so of yeah, that, you've got China. You know, that's what China does with all of their right. news and all their social exactly. media. And I mean, that's the other side of that coin. Yeah, you got the Great Firewall over there, and yeah, so I so I don't really know. Like, um, and that was one of the reasons why why Newsfeather was sort of something that was like interesting because you could go where I would go read all this stuff and then summarize it and then try and present it in an unbiased. I mean, there's there's no unbiased news, obviously. Um, but 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 yeah, so that that was something that that I felt like was like maybe this is something that I can do. Um So yeah, so let's talk like, about Newsfeather for a little bit. What's Newsfeather? Uh yeah, Newsfeather does unbiased news summaries in ten lines or less. I started it in two thousand fourteen. My wife had just gotten pregnant with our first son. Yeah, it was right before he was born. And uh so I started doing it and was really, really into it and we had a point in our lives where we didn't have kids and yet we're, one was on the way. And um, so I was able to do it every single day. Um, I'd get one out at least. Uh, and it takes a long time to go because I'd go check 
different sources mm-hmm. and compare the stories and um and i wouldn't go to like freedomeagle.net i would only go to like <laughs> you know like cnn or I, I really like reuters um i find them to be pretty pretty reliable um but i go read a bunch of the stories and compare them and do all the research and summarize the stories it'd take me like an hour or so to do each of the stories and then even longer to publish them and and uh and like spread them across like social media and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah and, and then um people started to really like it and I started to get more followers. And then, uh, one morning <laughs> I woke up and my wife came in and she was like, Chloe Kardashian reposted your story on, on her Instagram feed to like 36 million people. And I was like, Holy cow, that's crazy. <laughs> and <laughs> like things started going nuts. And, um, uh, we, I got like a bunch of traffic and, uh, Rosario Dawson, the actress reposted it. And these people were starting to like, sort of like, pay attention to it and so i sort of continue to do it but it's really hard to monetize something like that and running a a freelance business and trying to like pay the bills and stuff and um and then raising two little boys it's uh it's an exercise in extreme time management that that has to take place at that point yeah and so things have worse for so now um it's one of those things where it's become more of a hobby where I do it when I can and when I have time and, and, uh, but, but the struggle with, with Newsfeather has always been to make money off of it because it's essentially repackaging information that's free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's free apps that do that for you already. And, um, so it's just, it's something, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's a struggle for me because I know that it could be good and it, it's useful and that people find value in it. But at the same time for me, it's like, it, it's gotta be worth it, doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, it, it doesn't pay me at yeah. this point, and and what's and what are, what are the steps that are required to get it to pay me? You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's sort of the conundrum that I'm in at this at this point with it. But it's something that I love to do, and I, I find great satisfaction in it. Yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. You uh, you mentioned in the notes, you know, work life balance and trying to yeah. find time for everything. I I'm exactly in that boat. I I've mentioned this on a couple episodes, but you know, two little girls day job podcast you know i play drums at church every now and then trying to be an attentive husband and father and productive employee like there's only so many hours in the day you know and if i yeah if i turn if i make more hours in the day i sleep less and then i end up burning out you know and so exactly the the one thing that uh that's missing right now is exercise and i gotta i gotta figure that out or i gotta buy bigger clothes it's uh, one of the two exactly yeah um yeah, that was that's the other thing that yeah you mentioned that like burning out at work is like you could say up I could stay up till one two in the morning doing this you know like um, but then in the morning like how productive I am you got to be creative right um, you have to be able to think on your feet you have to be able to be a good father like when I'm tired I get I get real cranky and <laughs> I think I guess we all do but yeah um, yeah and then you know like what kind of dad am I at that point and and husband and um. Yeah, it is. It's like a, it's you run into all these catch, all these catch twenty twos just keep popping up, and yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So, how should people read the news? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because, um, like we we're saying, people have limited amounts of time in the day. Like everybody's got twenty four hours. Um, what I find encouraging, and on a related note, is that like young people read the news more than more than their parents or their grandparents do. And the way that they're reading it right now is very accidental where they sort of stumble across it on face, like you're saying on Facebook yeah. or 
or on Twitter or on or on Instagram. Um, so they sort of stumble across the news, but they read more of it. So I guess both of those things are encouraging. The the how should people read the news? It it has to be very like you can't just read it like you're reading somebody's Instagram post where you're like, oh, here's somebody at the park with their kids. Like that's cool, and then on to the next one. It it is such. It has to be like an intentional thing, because to be an informed citizen, and to have an informed society like requires an, an amount of attention that um, we don't often give when we're like, like going through Facebook feeds or our social media feeds very quickly. But it's hard to tell people to do that because the payoff is so small in their right. personal lives. Like, what do you actually get from reading the news? Like in your daily life, do you? When you when you look at social media posts, you get an amount of joy and satisfaction of connecting with your family and your friends. But when you read the news and you're like, "Oh, now I know that," um, you know, our, now I know Trump's tax plan, or now I know we launched a missile in Syria, or now I know that North Korea is right. like, doing this. You just get bummed out, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And like, how, what what does that do to you? Like, the payoff is very low, um, and so there's less incentive to do it. Yeah, the, the, and then there's just so much nuance too. A lot of times you find in these stories where um, a word in a sentence can change can change the whole meaning. Like like uh, like on the back of a on the back of like a uh, a piece of or like a food that you're buying, it'll say like made with 100% something or made from 100% something. Like there's the, like the from and the with it makes a difference on like how those two things are crafted. And the same is true with with news stories, you know. And um, yeah, it does require an amount of attention. So I would say if people should read the news very carefully because it's especially now it's just crazy like they it's being used in different ways that are nefarious and i don't know i think it's people should be careful more careful now than ever i think and yeah and it goes both ways like now anyone can say something they don't believe in or don't agree with is fake news and report it on facebook or whatever and you know if if that if that happens both ways then it's like people are just going to tune out, you know, like I already get stressed out enough reading the news. Why am I going to go through all this? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then there's the whole thing where that's how, you know, that's how fascist dictatorships work. They (laughs) hope you get tired of the noise and tune it out and they do whatever they want, you know? And it's, uh, it's tough. These, These are, these are dark times for our nation and our, you know, the, the things that you thought were informing you, you know, when it when it gets to the point where it's hard to trust those, it's it's crazy. It's it's unprecedented. It is, yeah. the The amount of yeah, the amount of effort that's being that's that's going into right now into con, into controlling messages and and like you were saying too about the amount of noise, like the the strategy now appears to be that they're they're moving from just like one crazy thing to the next we're like like i don't know if like if anyone remembers that the claim right after the election was that three million illegal people or like three million people voted illegally in california right and that's a crazy claim and like we're not even investigating it. like <laughs> everybody forgot about that and now yep. we're on to like the next thing yeah and um so yeah it, it, there, there's there's so much noise and there's just um yeah it's it's just a crazy time like you were saying all right so on a positive note, what's been? <laughs> <laughs> let's try to pick up out of the dystopian. Uh, yeah. There's not women in charge, but we're in our. We may be in our yeah. dystopian future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's the name of this novel? I forgot to ask. Oh Lord, it's called. Um, 
Now unto the woman. Okay. It's from it's from Genesis. All it's, right. It's the it's the verse where God curses the woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's been your biggest triumph so far? For professionally, it was it was starting news feather. I'd have to say that I I came up with an idea. I, I I did everything that I needed to do in order to like start basically a little side project for myself. Um, I'm really proud of it. To be to be honest, like it's the like the little engine that could. It just I keep getting little stories out there and that and 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 then I, I did some work for some nonprofits too, like with with Paul Walker's nonprofit. I did some work with him and then some other ones that that I did that I felt really made a difference for people that that are struggling. Just writing copy and social media posts for them. Um, I feel like those things have like made a difference or made the world a little bit better somehow. Awesome. And how about any failures or disappointments? Yeah, I've had, I have had some failures with like just professionally. I've taken jobs. At, um, I mentioned earlier that I, I'd gotten involved with some startups before that didn't that uh, ended up not uh, being successful. Right. So I but there's always something good out of it. Like I got experience at these places, but then I worked super hard and we invested like some of our money in it and um, and then they ended up not working out so mm. there's i guess there's like both good and bad and learning to sort of recover from those things and to like get back up on your feet is is a super valuable lesson that i've learned over just the last like five years or so so yeah those those are those are some of the failures that, that i've had to sort of recover from and, and learn how to deal with you know mm-hmm. going forward how do you define success for yourself i define it i define it in a couple different ways w- w- career-wise i define it as being able to like continue to support my family and to have this freelance business that allows me to stay home with my kids. And that, that's something that's really important to me. So I, I hope that success for me is doing, being able to do both of those things of meeting our financial goals, goals, um, keeping the lights on. And then, but then also being able to spend quality time with my kids when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, I've worked in like cubicles and stuff before in the past and, it just sucks the soul out of you, man. It's just like, it's just crazy, and that that's not something that I that I that would want for myself or for my family. So, yeah. So it's important to me to be able to stay home and to, yeah, to provide for my family, be able to be there for my kids and my wife. Mm-hmm. So, what do you like to do for fun outside of work? You mentioned, you know, play with your boys, hang out with the family. What do you like to do other yeah. than that? Let's see. I got a bunch of surfboards in my garage that I wish I could take out more. We live we live just like two minutes from the beach, so um, uh, yeah, I like to go surfing sometimes when I can. Occasionally, I'll go golfing um, with some of my family members. But uh, my my wife and I really uh, enjoy like uh, watching shows on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, so we spend a lot of time in the evenings doing that and just and talking and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, and I've gotten into like cooking. Like when when I'm slow, I mentioned like the sort of the ups and downs of freelance life. Um, I've sort of got into cooking and baking. I can make a pretty awesome loaf of French bread. Awesome. And, um, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, those, those are some of the things I like to do. Um, yeah, the, the surfing and stuff is something that I used to do when I was, when I was growing up and stuff. And yeah, I wish I could definitely get back to that. And, and I've started actually going to the gym a bunch and I don't know. Yeah. Just, just normal stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah, check out yeah. Uh, Honeysuckle from a couple episodes back, the YouTube uh, cooking folks. They, they've they got a ton of oh, nice. quick, easy, delicious recipes. It, it's it's really good stuff. We made a few of the things. Oh, yeah. uh, my wife made the 
they had some rice crispy treats with like strawberry dried strawberries mixed in and like a dried strawberry oh, uh white chocolate frosting they were really yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds awesome really good yeah, I, I, I think i'm gonna have one when we're done here <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so you mentioned netflix um Anything you're excited about right now? Any shows you're watching, movies you just saw, books, music, anything you want people to know about? Yeah, um, I'm going to start watching the new Silicon Valley just aired. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love that oh, show. Oh, I love it, yeah. Uh, so I got to I gotta catch up on like the first couple episodes, and then um, Game of Thrones is starting. Yeah, coming back two months. And so I'm super, I'm super excited about that this summer. Um, yeah, I know, you guys talked about Logan. I know. Oh I, yeah, uh, yeah, I loved it. Episodes. So I saw that with my brother, and man, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and the Ghost in the Shell movie that came out, I'm excited to see that also when it uh, when it comes out on DVD or whatever. Um, but I I don't know if you ever saw like the there's like the 1994 one that came the out anime. Yeah, like, I saw man, it like in yeah, high school. Yeah. I haven't seen it since then. I I barely remember it. Yeah, I I just watched it like earlier this year and then i watched like i think there's another one in 2007 2004 uh the, the sequel uh, which was not as good but um anyways i'm excited to watch the live action one i've heard it's like okay yeah i don't i don't know i don't know yeah no i, I heard um, the same thing no i'm really excited about game of thrones too it's uh it's funny like i've heard this from a lot of people like when your wife gets pregnant you spend a lot of time on the couch watching tv especially like that first <laughs> that first uh, trimester you know so yeah the absolutely. the the first time it was how i met your mother we watched all of how i met your mother and, oh no way and then this time it was game of thrones and uh nice because my wife doesn't really do like gory violence and i right i didn't know if she did handle yeah, it or here. not i didn't know if she did handle it and every time i'd be flipping through the channels and it'd be on i'd watch you know two or three minutes of it and it's like this is so boring. Like, what are these people talking about? Every time I ch- <laughs> I change the channel onto this, it's just people walking around and talking. This is so boring. Oh, yeah. And then, so we watched the pilot, and I fell asleep during the middle of it, which is not a good sign. No way. Yeah, like right when the everyone is crazy. Right too. when everyone shows up at Winterfell, I fell asleep, and so I wake yeah. up, and Robert and Ned are in the tomb. And they're talking about Ned's sister, and I'm just like, "What the heck is going on?" And then they <laughs> they go up to the party, and I'm like, "Who are all these people?" <laughs> like I had I had no idea. So uh, so I that was by myself. So then we went back and watched it together, and I'm like, "Okay, I, I got a better handle of what's going on here." And then we watched two or three the first night, and it's like, "All right, I'm hooked." And then we just started clicking through oh, them. Man. And then we finally oh, yeah, we finally got to the end of season six, and yeah, we're we're all about it. Yeah, yeah, we're all about it too. We uh, we we started watching it very similar when my wife was pregnant and well it was different though because once we watched the pilot and we were both just like hooked from the very beginning it was like it was like people getting their heads chopped off <laughs> people getting like thrown out of windows and we're like what the hell and it was like it was crazy and um yeah so so we we liked it but it, yeah it, it's um my wife is sort of similar she doesn't like the a lot of the gore and violence and yeah. stuff but it's interesting it, kind of like Logan. It it. yeah kind of like Logan, where it's like dealing like the complicated moral choices in a violent world you know it's it's interesting you know the the things they deal with and um that's one of the things i liked about logan like you know i mentioned in the last episode but you know in the comics there's always this theme of you know everyone i love gets hurt you know the people that close to me get hurt you know in this lifetime of violence like reckoning with that it's it's interesting yeah it is it is interesting because yeah, the the amount of violence in the movie is is very intense, and more so than like a lot of the other movies that have come out recently. Yeah, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this impacts 
the movies that they have going forward because I know like a lot of the movies that are coming out now are going to get like R ratings on them and stuff because yeah. because of how successful the like Deadpool yeah, and yeah. this one yeah. have been and um and so yeah I think I think that's really exciting I mean, if you look back at the other ones like the first X Men movies the it's just like so campy now looking back at it and right. then, and how far they've come now so um and um, it's good that they're exploring because i know in the comics and stuff they they had a lot of darker tones where especially with logan where he was like he had to do some dark stuff back in in, like the comics and stuff and and i don't know if they'll explore that going forward but yeah it is interesting yeah yeah and back to game of thrones it's it's like that too like there's the just the complicated choices where both choices are bad like which one do i go with and yeah, they they bring up stuff, especially the the Lannisters. Like, we have to do this, like not for us, but for our grandchildren's children. Like, we have to do this for our family to set us up for the next three or four hundred yeah. years. And we don't oh, live yeah. like that, you know. Like, our world's not like that, you know. We're not no. thinking like that, where we got to set this up so that this continues to play out the way it has, you know. Yeah, dynasties are not a thing that happen really much anymore. At least for at least for people like us. Yeah, not in our society. Yeah. So, with all that we've talked about, what inspires you to keep going? How do you keep yourself motivated? I keep myself motivated just because there's, for, for, I guess, for two reasons. There, there's things that I haven't done that I want to do. Um, I, I want to see someone like I want to see Newsfeather become something that is is successful and and delivers like something every single day and that people find super useful and um something that i can do full-time like that that's something that i want to have happen and and so i haven't i haven't achieved that yet so i i keep i keep working towards that and eventually it'll happen and um and so there's that and then and then on the other side is um yeah providing for my family like there's a very just instinctual part of that of um like i need to like put food on the table. I need to like make sure that the house is mm-hmm. is warm and, and lit, and, and they have like food, like and clothes on their back. So, I guess it, it's twofold. There were like, um, just like like Maslow's hi- Maslow's hierarchy. There's there's like different things that you need, and things have to come first, and then you can sort of like build on top of that. And yeah, um, so yeah, th- those are the sort of the two things that that that, that push me forward. Yeah. If you were able to go back to the start of the journey. Anything you tell yourself? Yeah, you know, this is the question that I heard you ask some of the other guests on here, and it's one that I've been thinking about for the last couple of days, actually. Um, and I struggled with it at first, what I, what I would say. <laughs> he came prepared, but everybody. He came prepared. I, I did, yeah. Well, because I thought about it, because it's an interesting question. Like, what would you actually go back and tell yourself? Like, if, if you had a time machine to go back and... Um, and I think there'd be a couple of things that I would tell myself. Um, like I would tell myself, uh, one, one of the things that um, I would tell myself for sure is to surround myself with creative people and people that had goals that were in line with mine. Um, I, the, I, I, I don't, my, my friends that I had in high school, I, I love them. And, and, and out of college and stuff too, I, I I kept the same group of friends for for high school and college, and I made new ones in college and stuff. But um, a lot of them chose to go the route of learning like tradecraft, where I went to college, and I think I was one of the only people in my group of friends to do that. Um, so we had different goals going out of it, and um, and they're 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 just they're great friends and everything. But um, if I could go back, I would tell myself to to sort of surround myself with people that had creative visions that were more in line with what I had 
as I think. Um, so I think that would be that would be one of them. Um, and then the other one, the other, I guess the other one would be just not to put so much pressure on myself. Hmm. I think I spend a lot of, I think maybe we all do like when we're young and ambitious, like put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to, to do a lot of different things when, you know, you should be enjoying like being young and, yeah. and sleeping and sleeping yeah. and being able to take naps and, um, and you know, all of those things. But I gotta do yeah. a good job so I can get a house, which is if I don't buy now, I'll be <laughs> priced out forever. And I gotta get yeah, my 401k going. I mean, it's that's right. Make, yeah. make sure you max that out. Yeah. Every year, you know, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, there's, and that's come up with a couple other guests, but I, you know, there's a lot of people that say, I wish I would have taken more time to figure out what it was I really wanted to do, or I'm glad yeah. I got it figured out early. So I didn't have to do that. You know, it's, uh, right. That's a common, kind of a common theme. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Going back and, and I was talking with some of my other friends too, about, about the question actually, like, um, would you go back and would you want to go back and be 25 right now? like in 2017 would you rather be 25 in 2017 or would you rather go back and be 25 when you were actually 25 right and i and i think that's an interesting question too. yeah that's um, tough i would way rather be 25 back in when i was actually 25 than be 25 nowadays yeah i don't know it seems like a, it seems like a, a tougher world to exist in as a 25 year old yeah yeah, luckily I got started on my career and out of college and everything before 2008, before the economy crashed. So I oh, was, yeah. yeah, luckily I was kind of on the path already. Whether whether yeah, or not that yeah. was the right path remains to be seen, but you know. Yeah. Hmm. Any last words of advice? Life, art, creativity, writing, news consumption. Yeah, I would just. I guess my my last my last word of advice for for people that are listening is to is if you can find a chunk of your day even if it's just like five to ten minutes to read one article very thoroughly instead of reading trying to read like 10 articles just the headlines because i mean even we all do that like you read the headline you're like now i know the story <laughs> you know um <laughs> when that that's actually not the case because the headlines the like the business of the news is not to report the news the business of the news is advertising Right. Seeing it like even like the major news networks are all built on advertising networks. So they, they give the news away for free in order to get you to go to their site. Um, so the headlines have to be as clickbaity or eye catching as possible to get you to click on them. So you go to their site and view the ads. So I would just caution people and maybe, yeah, just encourage them to, if you find one news article that's very interesting to you, click on it and go to the site and then really read it. And, um, yeah, and try to look for any shenanigans that are going on inside the article <laughs> because there's almost certainly shenanigans going on in every news article. Um, people quoting anonymous sources, that's like a huge red flag. And, and that's happening a lot right now with even major news outlets. Oh, like yeah. Quoting, quoting anonymous sources. Anonymous sources. Just, like if you, yeah, if you check any, like any journalistic guidelines from, from college or even like, like all the major news networks publish their journalistic standards, Anonymous news sources are like the weakest sources of news. So if, if they're quoting anonymous sources, even if they're U.S. government officials who are anonymous, it's it's just very sketchy. So I guess I guess that would be my final word of warning for people just going forward with the news. Just be super careful, and if you can read one news article a day, that really thoroughly, that's like a really good thing to do. Awesome. Well, Sean, this has been really fun. You've uh, you've got a unique perspective on the news and <laughs> media. You uh, you obviously care a lot about your family. 
And uh, it's it's inspiring to hear you talk about providing and being a voice and finding a way to do what you love and still be an attentive husband and father. I, th- I think that definitely resonates with a lot of people. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's uh, We're just trying to be good humans. We're all just... We're all just here on this earth to to love each other, man. And I don't know. Yeah, I appreciate it. I had a great time, too. I was really nervous coming into this, but um, (laughs) I had a really fun time. Awesome, awesome. Well, you prepared. And uh, I I can't say I've had too many other people say, I heard you ask that, and I've been thinking about it. So that's that's awesome. I I wanted to give a good answer on that question specifically because that's a great question to ask, I think. And uh, it tells you a lot about your guests, too, like how they think about the world. Like, yeah. Indeed. Everything is good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, Sean can be found on Twitter at Sean Keating, S H A U N Keating, K E A T I N G, on Instagram at Sean J Keating, and on the web at SeanKeating.com and NewsFeather.com. Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Brad. I really appreciate it. This has been the Maslow Pete Podcast presented by Spring State Media Group. Our producer is Jesse Edmund. If you like what you heard today, you can find all of our episodes on the web at MaslowPete.com where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud and have new episodes automatically pushed to you. You can check out our Instagram at the Maslow Pete for behind-the-scenes details. Like us on Facebook at the Maslow Pete and on Twitter as well. Thanks for listening, and you'll be hearing from us next week.